morning, everybody. That may be an all-time record for North Church, both in terms of number of people saying good morning and the sheer volume. Way to go. Good job. I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 7 through 14, and this morning we're going to talk about idolatry. Um, I think it's, a, it's a, an understudied topic because it's vital for us to understand the nature of our souls and the nature of our beings to, uh, to be idolaters. And I think it's interesting, this passage that Kelly just read, it starts and ends with a command, and the, the, first, the first command is, do not be idolaters. Um, a lot of times as a pastor, I get this question, why is the Bible just so hard to understand? It's so, like, it's like indirect. It's, it's so hard to understand. But this one, this verse, this command, fairly simple, right? Can you guys pick up what the command might be? Do not be idolaters. Um, and then the last command, the end of the passage, is flee from idolatry. So these two commands, one at the start and one at the end, kind of form the, the bookends for what we're going to talk about this morning, idolatry. Uh, and I, I think this passage, uh, I really want to answer three questions for us. First is, what is idolatry? Um, I think a lot of us see idolatry as uh, an idol, like a, a, an actual physical thing that you would worship, an, an idol. But the, the Bible teaches that idolatry is a little bit more than that. Um, so we're going to study that. And the second thing is, why is idolatry such a big deal? Um, we've already read or, or had Kelly read to us some very difficult things, and we'll, we'll deal with some other stuff about why idolatry is a really big deal to God. And then lastly, how do we avoid idolatry? How do we flee from idolatry? That's the where we're going today. So John Calvin said this about us. Man's nature is a perpetual factory of idols. Man's nature is a perpetual factory of idols. So who we are as human beings naturally to us is to create idols, create things to chase, create things to crave. We need to crave something. We need to desire something. More so, we, we probably need to lust after something. That's at the, the heart of who we are. And this is something that we're going to deal with this morning. Um, I'm going to bring a, a few quotes at you here. They're, and your, your bulletin is, is full of these quotes. Uh, Tim Keller says the first two. It is, what is idolatry? It is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Um, some of these quotes are, are a little deep, and I want you to, like, they're in your bulletin so you can kind of wrestle with them throughout the week. Uh, but I, I love the series of statements here. It's anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. And here, here's like a good way to deduce what your idols are. What do you spend the most time thinking about? That's probably an idol for you. What do you spend the most time pursuing? What do you, what do you sacrifice the most to get, to attain, to acquire? It's probably an idol for you. It's anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about some nuance of this as we go on 
throughout the sermon and, and throughout some of the scripture this morning. Uh, Keller also says, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll f- feel that my life has meaning, that I know I'll have value, I'll, then I'll be significant and secure. A lot of times it's a spouse. For a single person, marriage can be an idol really quickly. For a young married couple, children can be an idol really quickly. For people with children, children can be idols really quickly. If, if I just could get this, my life would have meaning. If I just could get this, I would know that God loves me. These are ways to deduce an idol. Um, I want you to know this, that spouses and children and other things that we can make idols, most of them are good things. Um, let, me, let me give this illustration. An idol always terminates on itself. Think about a sunset, a beautiful sunset. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were, uh, some of the guys, Kyle and Scott, and I think that's it, that's in the room. There was a bunch of guys, about 20 guys went to go play in a, in a golf tournament um, in Indiana. And one of the nights, somebody said, dude, you guys got to come see that, this, this sunset. And it's crazy, 20 dudes playing golf together, looking at a sunset. Um, but it's beautiful. And as I sat there and we watched the sunset and we watched it disappear, in 10 minutes it was gone. It was beautiful, but in 10 minutes it was gone. This is the essence of an idol. It's something that's beautiful and catches our imagination and catches our attention and, and, and like attacks our senses and say, wow, this is incredible. But in 10 minutes it was gone. And it's, it's not... We'll never see that sunset with those clouds against that landscape again. It's gone. This is a, a perfect example of what an idol can be. But, but more than that, a good gift from God that a sunset is, we can, we can allow our imagination to end on the sunset, or we can allow our imagination to end on the God that created that sunset and use it as an opportunity to worship him. C.S. Lewis says this, I have tried to make every pleasure into a channel of adoration. That may be the the coolest thing you hear today, the the most practical thing that you hear today. Think about the things that your heart tends to make idols. Whatever that is, the likelihood is it's probably not a bad thing. It's a bad thing when it becomes the end. What Lewis is saying here is I've tried to make every pleasure into a channel of adoration. Consider that. Your children are an idol. Your children can bring you incredible pleasure. Try to take that pleasure into a channel of adoration. What a good God to give you such an incredible gift as your children. What a good God to give you such an incredible gift as a sunset. What a good God to give you incredible gifts, even things that are gone from our lives forever. What a good God to have given us such an incredible thing. Lewis continues in that quote, Adoration says, What must be the quality of that being whose far-off and momentary coruscations, and I've used this quote before, and I've had to define coruscations before because I had no idea what it means. Coruscation is just a sudden, brilliant flash of light. 
A sudden, brilliant flash of light. What must the quality of being whose far off and momentary sudden and brilliant flashes of light are like this? One's mind runs back up the sunbeam to the sun. As we see something that has the opportunity in our hearts to be an idol, we properly see it when we allow it to trace its, its root of its gift, of its pleasure-giving back up to God. Your marriage is that way. Your kids are that way. Your friends, your family are that way. Your parents are that way. Everything, all of the pleasures of this world can be used as an opportunity to adore our beautiful God. Um, what else is idolatry? Martin Luther contends that you do not ever break a commandment without first breaking the first commandment under which every behavioral sin is the sin of idolatry. Think about that for a second. You can never break one of the other nine commandments without first breaking the first commandment. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. When you lie, think about this. When you lie, and lying is is one of the, the Ten Commandments, don't bear false witness. In the moment of lying, you have decided that the person to whom I'm lying and their opinion of me matters more than God. You have made that person an idol. Do you see that? Um, And that's Luther's um, example. So that's what an idolatry is. Second thing, why is idolatry a big deal? Um, I think Romans 1 teaches us really well here. Before I get there, I want to say this. What would you think if you went out on a date with your wife and you're at a nice restaurant? Um, beautiful restaurant, and, and the table is curiously sat for three. And you sit down to dinner, and a few minutes later, some guy walks up, sits down, and your wife says to you, I'd like, you to, introduce you, I'd like to introduce you to my boyfriend. His name is John. That's absurd, right? But this is idolatry. Before God, this is idolatry. We're We are intended to be in perfect, communing, abiding, wonderful relationship with our God. And when we allow idols to seep in there, when we allow idols to take the place that God should take, it's like sitting down to dinner with your wife and introducing her to your girlfriend. Sitting down to dinner with your husband and introducing him to your boyfriend. This is what idols do. And the scary part, why idols... Idolatry is a big deal. Romans 1, 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. When we sacrifice to idols, we are worshiping the creature rather than the creator. And the awful part, the the scary part, the part that makes me want to, as your pastor, pound this this table and scream is the first part of 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 verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts. Do you know the danger of an idol is this? God will say, okay, have it. Good luck with that. And that's That's scary. That God would just give us over to our lust, to our idols. And 
And every one of us, our, our hearts are a factory of idols. We crave to crave. And every one of us, when we improperly see the pleasures that God has given to us, we make idols out of those things and we're in danger of allowing God to say, all right, have at it, enjoy. And misery will follow every time. Um, And this is... uh, Here's the scary piece for us here as a suburban middle-class church. Like, idols are so subtle for us. Idols are really, really subtle for you. You've got to be paying careful attention or they're going to become the thing that you, you labor, you sacrifice. Every, all of your energy is moving towards these idols in your life. And as a suburban middle-class church people, this is, this is scary for us. So um, a better life, more money, kids, a better neighborhood, whatever. Um, I want, this is the part where I wish that we had 45 hours to spend together today. Because this requires, my wife's giving me this big wide-eyed look like, you better not. <laughs> uh, I wish that I had 30 minutes to sit down with every one of you and let's sit down and really look at what, our, what your idols are. Let's really look at what my idols are. I wish we had that opportunity today to, to really exegete our own hearts and figure out what it is that we worship, what it is that we idolize, what it is that we sacrifice and pursue. But like this is, this is your homework here. Spend some time with God asking him, to reveal idols in your heart. Because if you don't think you have idols in your heart, you're lying to yourself. Every one of us do. Um, And likely the most dangerous idol for you is the one that you don't recognize. And that's, that's another reason community is so very important. There are idols that you have that you don't recognize. There are idols that you have that other people recognize. Do other people around you, do people in this room have permission to point out an idol to you? How would you respond if somebody pointed out an idol to you? Um, The most likely idol you have is yourself. I am the most important person. I want to please myself. I want to pursue my own pleasure. This is the reality of this verse here. The lust of your heart. Lust of your heart are you trying to please yourself, pursuing your own pleasures. Um, Back to our passage in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 8. Look at the, verse 7 is talking about what idolatry is, and then he gets specifically into some idols that they have and look at the it's one thing to talk about God giving you up to the lust of your heart as that's a warning against idolatry but look at look at the results of these we must not indulge in sexual immorality sexual immorality was their idol as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day think about that this is God's people the nation of Israel, 
giving themselves over as a group to sexual immorality as an idol. 23,000 people dead in a single day. Do you think God is really concerned about idols? Verse 9, we must not put Christ to the test, another one of their idols. Is, God, is Christ really who he says he is? As some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. That's creepy. God deals severely with idols. Nor grumble. It's hard for me to consider this. Think about like grumbling, complaining, whining. That's idol worship. It's idol worship of yourself. Some of them did and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Capital D. That's Satan. Like understand this people. Please. When we continually and knowingly give in to our idols, we open ourselves up to destruction from the enemy. It's not to be messed with. Third question here is how do we avoid idolatry? The last verse, therefore, my beloved, flee from adultery. It can kill you, it can steal from you, it can destroy you. How do we get rid of it? First, verse 12 tells us, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Get rid of pride. Step number one to to get rid of your idols, to flee your idols, is to get rid of pride. And what does that look like? Probably the most likely thing that it looks like is to give someone who knows you well and has strength to, to come at you, give them express permission to say to you, this is an idol for you. That's a step one. Find someone, and the likelihood is they're in this room. They're sitting to your left or their right. And if, if you're married, it's the person who gave you a ring. Give that person permission to speak the truth about your idols. Get rid of pride. Because when you are at the center, you are at the center. When you are at the center, you fall. And worse, when you are at the center, the best that you can get is the best that you can give. Consider that. When you're at the center, the best that you can get, the best life that you can have is the best life that you can get for yourself. Who do you think is better at giving happiness, you or God? Second thing, I think, to help us to avoid idolatry is to pray. Ask God to reveal your idols and then listen. Ask God to root out your idols and then listen. Give God permission to root out your idols at your own expense and then listen. Um, but this is something I've, I've tried to, to preach here very often. So many times when we think, when I say pray to get rid of idols... We think, dear God, a bunch of words, amen. We consider that to be prayer. Everything else is something different than prayer. But I don't believe that. I I believe that prayer is meditation. Prayer is, is sitting and being quiet. To say, can you, do you have the ability to say, dear God, and then just listen? That's prayer. Go to God with the, with the focused intent to rid yourself of idols, to have idols exposed to you, 
and just listen to God quietly. Dear God, is, praying is, is journaling. Do, who, who journals? Raise your hand if you journal. It's like four or five hands. Failure as a pastor. I wasn't joking. We need to journal more. Do you know that the Psalms are David's journals, David's prayers? He wrote them down. One of the greatest tools that I have in my spiritual walk is to read journals that I wrote 15 years ago. People journal, seriously. A lot of your spiritual health depends on it. It's a massively important practice. It's, it's feet on prayers. Journal. Um, read the Psalms. Read a Psalm every day. Every day. There's 150 of them. Read one every day. You'll read through the whole book of Psalms twice in a year. And, and they'll, they'll teach you what to pray for. And you'll see the beauty of, of the schizophrenia of David. One psalm, God is great. The next psalm, God is, where are you? The next psalm, I don't like you, God. The next psalm is, why have you let your enemies, my enemies triumph? God, what's wrong with you? That's the reality of prayers. And this is a vital component for us to, to rid ourselves of idols. And remember, the danger of having an idol is God can give it to you. The third thing for you to do to avoid idols is to see Jesus. Participate with him. See his faithfulness. Even when he knows that you are weak, even when he knows that you are sinful, even when he knows that you're a failure, participate with him. Like, in just a minute, we're going to get to go over here and we're going to partake of communion. We're going to participate with Christ. This is a Maybe the most beautiful way to get rid of your idols is to see God in the flesh ridding himself of his nature of God, coming to this earth as a man, ridding himself of of all of his pride, of all of of his worthiness, and coming to this planet to die for you. There's nothing in this world that can be any greater than that. If you have an idol, it It just dissipates when you see Jesus. Maybe the best thing you can do today is take communion. And as you take communion, think about participating with Christ. Christ has died to give you life while Christ was, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Christ humbled himself to be obedient on the cross Christ did not cling to his rights as God, but gave himself up. This is, these are all verses from Scripture about what Jesus has done for you. Thomas Chalmers, 200 years ago, wrote this. The heart is so constituted that the only way to dispossess it of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. This is beautiful and brilliant. The only way for you to dispossess yourself of an idol is to have a better, a better thing. Your marriage can be beautiful and wonderful and fantastic. Your children can be beautiful and wonderful and fantastic. This church can be beautiful and wonderful and fantastic. But if they end in themselves, if they are the end, they fail every time. 
I fail every time. You fail every time. The heart is so constituted, your heart is so constituted that the only way that nobody ever breaks a bad habit just by trying. They break a bad habit by finding something better to do. The only way to rid yourself of an idol is to see Jesus as more valuable than that idol. The expulsive power of a new affection. Keller says this, our failure to change and our lack of spiritual growth is always rooted in our inability to believe and rejoice in our righteousness in Christ. Do you know that a holy and wonderful God wants to give you incredible things? And there's nothing, because of the work of Christ, there's nothing that stands between you and all of the wonder and beauty that God wants to give you. Now don't hear me preaching a prosperity gospel. It's, that's not a misquoted Philippians 4.13. You can't do anything that you want to do because of Jesus. But what you can have is the joy of communing, abiding relationship and fellowship with a holy and perfect God. The what you were intended to live in, it's yours. That doesn't mean that hard things won't happen to you. Hard things might happen to you. And hard things might happen to you in such a way that you would say, thank you, God, for that hard thing. Because it brings me into closer relationship with you. If that happens, we say good to the hard things. Because our failure to rid ourselves of idols is rooted in our inability to see that Christ has done everything that's necessary to give us everything that our heart desires. Christ has done everything that's necessary to give you everything that your heart desires. Do you believe that? You believe that here sitting in a chair, but do you believe that when you're engaged with your idol? It's true then. It's as true then as it is now. There's never a time when that's not true. Paul writes this in Galatians 6, 4. But, as, but far be it from me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Christ. The fourth and last thing. See God as good. When we worship at the feet of an idol, we don't see God as good. I'm going to read the C.S. Lewis quote over you again. I have tried to make every pleasure into a channel of adoration. Adoration says, What must be the quality of being whose far off and momentary coruscations are like this? One's mind runs back up the sunbeam to the sun. Your God is good, and he wants to do good to you. Psalm 34, 8, incredible verse, says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the expulsive power of the cross 
to destroy our idols, Father. I pray now in these moments and these times, God, I pray you give us moments of silence to just sit in your presence, God. And I pray that you would expose idols to us, Father. And I pray that you would give us the courage now in these moments to lay that idol down, to flee from that idol, Father. I pray you would give us the courage to speak the exact nature of that idol to someone who loves us and ask them to hold us accountable to the sacrificing of that idol, Father. God, do that with us right now, Father. Just give us a moment of silence to to be in your presence. Expose our idols right now, Father. God, I want to be intensely happy as you have created me to be, Father. I want these people to be as intensely happy as you've created them to be. God, expose our idols. God, make us a church renowned for the destruction of idols. Make us a people Desiring of only you, Father. God, give us the courage to sit with you and listen. Give us the opportunity to sit with you and listen. And then destroy our idols. And Lord, as you give us pleasure, would we trace that pleasure to you. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.